Good morning. Luke 18, 35 through 43 says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the word of the Lord for us today. So few things can wreak havoc in a relationship like a miscommunication. We don't have time this morning to tell all of our stories of miscommunication in our friendship. So uh, research consistently shows that it is poor communication that contributes to a divorce or a breakup in a relationship. And I think if you've ever raised a teenager... Or maybe you are a teenager, you realize that miscommunication just sort of feels like the daily norm. <laughs> it's just sort of how you uh, begin to operate is with miscommunication. So as Troy shared, we're in week three of a sermon series called Relationship Goals. Uh, I'm thrilled that you're with us today. My name is John. I'm just privileged and honored to serve as one of the pastors here at MCA. I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. If you happen to miss... Uh, one or both of the first two messages in this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. So those are available on our church app that has been mentioned this morning. They're also available on our YouTube channel. So go back and take those in if you've not had the chance to do that yet. But uh, during this series, we're really acknowledging that what Jesus taught is true. (laughs) And Nick talked about it this morning. That when Jesus said, love the Lord your God, With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was talking about relationships, a relationship with God, a healthy relationships with one another. And so good communication is an essential part of having those good, loving relationships. So uh, week one of our series, we talked about uh, our our, uh, relationship goal was connection. We learned that it requires vulnerability. That we are hardwired for relationship and for connection with one another. And then last week, our relationship goal was conflict. You see, we want to be peacemakers. Not just peacekeepers, not bullies, but we want to be peacemakers. And so today, we're going to set a communication goal. A communication goal. Now, communication is a really big and broad topic, right? We communicate in a lot of different ways. We certainly do so with our words, But what are some other ways that we communicate? Help me. Body language, I heard. Yes. Through silence. We use hand gestures. Uh, Mothers have mastered the side eye. (laughs) Uh, You might need to use that today, Mom. We don't have children's church, and so we're going to have everyone here with us for the duration of the service. Moms just have that look, don't they? (laughs) Straighten you up in in a heartbeat. So those are all different ways of of communicating. We tend to think of communicating as just talking, but there are all sorts of ways that we communicate. And in fact, I want to zero in on one that we didn't mention. 
zero in on perhaps the most important part of communication, and that is listening. Listening. It's a skill that we need to develop. So, from the scriptures, James chapter 1 and verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, he writes, take note of this. Did you bring your pen and notebook this morning? By the way, children, we do have a kid's bulletin that's available in the back. If you haven't gotten one, you can make your way back there and uh, we've got a bulletin especially for you. He says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. He's saying like, listening should be the default response. That should be the go-to. That should be the knee-jerk. That should come first. What happens quickly, what happens naturally. But so often that's just not the case. At least, listen, this is just confessional time. (laughs) So often it's not my natural inclination to listen, but to speak to engage, to share. Like, like I'm a lot faster and quicker at talking than I am at the listening. Anyone else willing to admit that? And sometimes we get in trouble because our mouth works faster than our brain. (laughs) But there's a great biblical teaching here for us. And so I want us to, as the author writes, take note. Be quick to listen. Now, I think there are a lot of challenges to being a good listener. There are a lot of obstacles that get in the way of us being a good listener. I think first and foremost is that we tend to be me-centered. We tend to be focused on self. And it's hard to listen to others. It's hard to kind of get into their world. It's kind of hard to enter into what they're thinking and feeling and experiencing when you're thinking about yourself. And so often that's the way that we're operating is we're operating in a me-centered fashion. How often are you listening to someone speak? It's maybe a face-to-face conversation or a phone call for that matter. You're listening to someone speak and you're really just formulating in your mind your own response. So you're just kind of doing this, like, there's kind of this glazed over look where you're just like, "Uh uh-huh, and you're thinking, so then I'm going to (laughs) say, listening requires that we move from being me-focused to being other-focused, where we would actually tune in to what is being said, maybe even to the point where we're hearing the words being spoken, but just as we identified a moment ago, we're looking for nonverbals. Are they making hand gestures? What do their eyes tell you looking for those signals right see see listening is an art form jesus was the best at it and this morning i want to encourage us to grow as listeners you know so often when someone shares something and maybe they're courageous they're brave and they and they open up and they they do what we talked about two weeks ago and get a little bit vulnerable and so often we just kind of jump in with oh well you know what that happened to me one time And guess what? My story is bigger and better than yours, (laughs) right? We kind of grab the spotlight. We kind of one-up each other instead of asking for clarification or or probing a little bit deeper. So being me-centered, my friends, that's a big obstacle in our ability to listen well. Another barrier is the assumptions that we make. 
We are all often quick to say, well, I know what it is. I know what you're thinking and I know what you're feeling. You don't need to express it because I already know it. We make assumptions about other people, right? Rather than trying to truly understand what another person is saying or communicating, it's like we already know. We already know. How many of us are the kind of people who, when it's time to assemble furniture, I don't need the instructions. I've got the pieces right here. And so you jump in and you start putting together one piece and another piece and you're like, here it is. And you're like, what are these extra parts for? <laughs> you don't read the instructions before you build it. You just, because you're like, how hard could this be? It's a coffee table. I can put this together. We do that in our relationships with each other when we make assumptions. I think another obstacle, we, we've talked about being me-centered. We've talked about making assumptions. Another is simply busyness. It's an obstacle to listening to others and hearing others because our calendar is full and so our minds are full and we just find it hard to slow down. We find it hard to actually pay attention. And so the reason I mention those things, again, this is in many ways is confessional, but it's to challenge us to say, what sort of impact does that make? When I'm too busy to listen or, or when I just make an assumption, I know how you're feeling or when uh, it's me focused. And the moment you start to share with me something, I, oh, I know, I know about that. I've experienced that. Here's what happened to me. You're never going to believe that me centered assumptions and busyness. The impact is huge because people don't feel heard. Oh, and sure. So you, you might say, well, I heard the words they were saying. <laughs> how many a husband has said that? <laughs> yeah, I heard you. No, the problem is when, when we're doing those things, we're not listening. And when we, when we do that, people are not heard. That's not a good place to be when you're unheard. Have you ever called one of those customer support lines? And maybe it's for service on your phone or for some other product or something. And it's the automated response. And it goes, press one for billing information. No, that's not what I need. Press two for services. That's not what I need. They go through the whole list of things and they don't actually list what you need. And you're like, clearly they don't know what I'm calling about. And, and you just get stuck in that cycle. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is humorous too, though, when they go, uh, they ask for a verbal response, you know, say yes. And you're like, yes. And they're like, what was that? You're like, yes. Then you're like, I think they're really just messing with me here. On the other end, just laughing. You get stuck in this cycle when you're on one of those automated support calls. And you, you, you get to the point where you go, whoever put this thing together thinks they know what my problems are. And they think they know what the solution is, but they don't. Because I have a question that doesn't fit anywhere on their board. And really, I just would like to talk with a real life person to figure this out. And then it comes on and it goes, uh, your call is important to us. <laughs> And you're like, no, it's not. It's clearly not. And you wait on the line for, you know, 30 minutes. All of our uh, employees are assisting other customers at this time. Your call is important to us. Stay on the line. You're like, you don't know what my needs are. I'm feeling totally unheard. And you don't care about me. I don't, I'm not important to you. We've all had that experience. The gut check is, am I doing that to the people in my life? Am I doing that to the people that I'm failing to listen to? And in so doing, they feel unheard. And, and when you feel unheard, really what it is, you feel unknown. 
they don't get me. They don't understand me. So again, when someone's courageous enough to share with you part of their story, part of their struggle, so often we just jump in with, here's the solution. I, I wanna, I'm going to fix your problem. You shared it with me. Thank you. It's really simple. Here's the solution. Instead of listening. Instead of knowing that person and leaning into what they're experiencing. We offer our own story. We offer a solution that will help. Listen, most people aren't asking for your strategy to their problems. They're not asking for your strategy to their problems. They're looking for support as they navigate those problems. Let me say that again. Most people aren't looking for your strategy to solve their problems. What they're looking for is support as they navigate those problems. And so what do we need to do? We need to be better listeners. Because people that feel unheard feel unknown. Here's what the writer of Proverbs warns us with in Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And yet it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. But we fail people when we do that. We don't hear, hear them. We don't listen to them. We leave them feeling unknown. And here's the real issue. You might be sitting here today and go, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I should be a better listener. Yeah, I get it, John. You can grow in that area too. What's the big deal? We came here to hear about Jesus. Here's the real issue. When people in our lives are unheard and then feel unknown, ultimately, they feel unloved. And what was it that Jesus taught? We love God with everything in us, and we love one another as we love ourselves. And so you got problems, my friend, if the people in your life feel unloved. If the people in your life would say, eh, he doesn't really love me. Yeah, she doesn't really care about me. So that's the, that's the, the real problem. Uh, there's a great quote that I want to bring for us today from David Augsburger in one of the tremendous books that he's written. And here's what Augsburger says. Being listened to is so close to being loved that the average person cannot tell the difference. Being listened to is so close to being loved. The average person cannot tell the difference. Okay, so I want to share a story with you this morning. Uh, Rhonda read this for us from Luke chapter 18. It's the story of a blind man that encounters Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, I do want you to turn there. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. This is our Lord Jesus coming into a town that's just busy and bustling, filled with people. All of them are anxious to see him. In fact, the crowds were so large that people couldn't get the front row seat that they thought they deserved. Like, like even people who were wealthy, influential, they could, could have pulled strings for a front row seat. They were climbing trees just in order to get a glimpse of Jesus. It's, it's the kind of scene where, and if you've ever been in a crowd of people, you've experienced this. You, you don't even really have control of which direction you move. It's kind of like if the crowd moves this way, you're going with them. It would have been hot and dusty, congested, noisy, the kind of place that can be kind of disorienting because there's so many people, sounds, and noises. So this is what ha is happening in Luke chapter 18 when Jesus enters the city. So let's turn there, starting in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. 
When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him. They told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So what I want to do with the rest of our time together is I want to explore this story in greater detail. This blind man who had an encounter with Jesus because we want to grow as listeners and Jesus was the best at it and he demonstrates it in this story. Jesus is on a journey, my friends. At this point, it's like his destination is not Jericho. He's on the way to Jerusalem. He's got business to take care of. He's got his disciples who are traveling with him and he needs to make a stop in Jericho, where this encounter takes place. As I said, Jericho was a busy place. It was noisy. It was filled with crowds. And just one of the hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands, just one, was this blind beggar sitting by the roadside. (laughs) We know from Mark's gospel, by the way, that his name was Bartimaeus. He sits there. He sits by the road in the same place every single day where he begs because he can't work, because he has this disability. He's he's unable to work. He's dependent on the kindness and goodness of others. He's an outcast. He's marginalized and unwanted. He is just a total nuisance. And what did he do? When he heard who was passing by. See, he didn't know. He, he hadn't been seeing the signs and the billboards. He hadn't been hearing the news of what was going to happen that day. It was just any other daylight for him. He begins to call out for the Messiah. He begins to call out even when he's made fun of and told to be quiet. <laughs> Can you imagine how the people responded to him? Some of the most powerful, most influential people in the city are there and really want that front row seat to to this parade, to this processional. And they're like, they cannot pull the strings to get there. So they're climbing trees. They're on top of buildings. They're looking from afar. And this guy starts calling out like, Jesus, over here. It's Bartimaeus. I'm over here. Can you imagine how much they must have mocked him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he wants to talk with you, Bartimaeus. Oh, yeah, over here, Jesus, Bartimaeus is waiting for you. They're like, be quiet, man. He doesn't want to talk with you. Nobody wants to talk with you. You're in the way. You're just taking up space. That's how this guy lives every day of his life. But he persists. He keeps calling out. It says, all the more, all the louder. He's calling out for Jesus. It's an amazing scene. Bartimaeus kind of knows this is his chance. He's willing to take that chance. He's willing to look like a fool. He's already a nuisance. What more is it going to do to bother people if he's calling out? But see, here's the thing. Everyone in the crowd is vying for a piece of Jesus. Everyone there wanted to see Jesus, wanted to encounter Jesus, wanted to understand what it is that makes this guy so famous. Why is everyone flocking to see him? What is it that he's teaching? And I heard he could heal people. Like, like everyone there wanted a position where they could see and encounter Jesus. And here's some 
no-name disabled person who sits by the road and gets in the way every day, and somehow he thinks that Jesus is going to listen to him. I wonder how Bartimaeus felt. Day in and day out of people overlooking him and mocking him. And I mean, how many years had he been by the side of that road? He'd never seen anything his whole life. He was blind his entire life. How many thousands upon thousands of people had just passed by him? Jesus wasn't the, only, the first famous person to come along. This was not unprecedented that a famous person would come into Jericho and proceed through town. We, we understand you, you, the, the, the name Jericho rings a bell in our minds because we learned that story in Sunday school. And you go, didn't Joshua flatten Jericho? Yes, he did, but it was freshly rebuilt and became a place of power and prestige. Everyone wanted to go to Jericho. That, that's where the, there was a palace there. That's where Herod uh, resided and lived and ruled. So this, this would have been a place where a lot of people of power came through. So how many times had a procession come through there in front of Bartimaeus? And he was overlooked. Or maybe someone tossed a few coins in his direction. You know what? Let's hear directly from Bartimaeus this morning. So anyway, one day I'm sitting there just like every other day. And I'm hoping that somebody, maybe just somebody is going to have a little pity in their heart. And going to drop a few pennies in my cup, right? And I hear this commotion in the distance. It sounds like there's a crowd who's coming my way. And so I says to my buddy, Ralph Amaya, he's sitting next to me. I said, what do you think it is, bro? And he says, man, I don't know, but I hope I don't get trampled here. And then somebody screams out a name. Jesus. Jesus. Man, I'd heard of this guy. I'd heard he was like a miracle worker or something. You got to be kidding me. He's coming this way. And all of a sudden I says to my buddy, you thinking what I'm thinking? And he says, no, just like the dumb lunk that he is. You, you know, so I said, hey, man, this is our chance, buddy. Come on. I figure I got to go for it, you know. I mean, if this guy really is some kind of magic worker, maybe he can do something for me, right? And so I just start screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy. Well, it gets real ugly real fast, you see, because they start saying, you just shut up. Now be quiet, blind man. And they say, but I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm just screaming even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What have I got to lose? I figure. What's the worst that can happen? Sometimes in a man's life, he's just got to go for it, man. So all of a sudden there's a hush over the crowd. And, and it's like the procession has stopped right in front of me. And some guy says, hey, you blind guy, get up here. Jesus wants you. Man, he didn't have to ask me twice. You know what I mean? Man, I'm up like a shot and I'm following the sounds to where I think he is. And then Jesus stops me. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Man, that was the easiest question anybody ever asked me. I'm thinking, buddy, if you can do for me what I want done, I'm going to follow you to the end of the earth, you know? And so I say, Lord, I want to see and just like that, there's no hocus pocus, there's no alakazam, but he says, go, your faith has healed you. And when he says that, pow, my eyes are open. And the very first thing I see in my whole life, it's the face of Jesus, man. That was cool. And then I remembered what I'd said to myself earlier. If a man could just give me my sight, boy, I'd follow him anywhere. 
And that's just what I did. Thank you, Bartimaeus, for making a special guest appearance with us this morning. Don't know how we managed to book him. <laughs> but here's what I want to impress on us this morning as we're studying this, this story. is like, there's a crowd of people, and there's all kinds of noises and all kinds of sounds. And what does Jesus do? He hears Bartimaeus. He hears him above all the others. And he calls for him. And the people all of a sudden go from, be quiet, no one wants you to, he's calling for Bartimaeus. His, his number is up. This, this is like when you're at the DMV and they call your number. You're like, woo! You, Bartimaeus, he wants you, get up! Go to him! And Jesus, when he then is face to face with this man, he doesn't make any assumptions about the man or what he wants. Like we do with each other. Oh, I know what you need. I know what you want. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> and some of us go, well, come on, Jesus. You know what this guy wants. Well, we don't know for sure. Uh, he could have wanted just some cold, hard cash. He could have been like, yeah, you see this cup? Fill it up. Maybe he wanted a tour of the palace. Or a big mansion to live in or fancy clothes to wear. We don't know what he wanted. And Jesus doesn't make the assumption. He comes face to face with them and says, what is it that you want? And so he asks for his sight. He says, Lord, I want to see. And when he makes that request, it reveals his faith. You don't just ask someone for sight that you've never had your entire life. He's got faith. And his request demonstrates that he believes that Jesus can heal him. His statement, his question reveals that he believes that Jesus, this controversial rabbi and teacher, must certainly be God. Because only God can heal. And so he is demonstrating in this very simple encounter a deep faith in Jesus. And so Jesus says, your faith has healed you. So Bartimaeus, yes, he was physically blind, but he was not spiritually blind. And the scriptures have a lot to say about spiritual blindness. There's a, another story of Jesus healing a blind man. This is in John chapter 9. And Jesus talks in that passage about spiritual blindness. So from John 9, starting at verse 39, here's what Jesus says. For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And those who see will become blind. It tells us some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this. And they said, what? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. A lot of times when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, he, he accuses them of being blind and deaf. And rather than just talking about others, really, I think we need to own that and say, there are times where I, too, am blind. There are times where I am blind to the needs around me. There are times where I am blind to the work of God in my life and in our world. So we can be blind, just like the Pharisees, when we fail to see God at work. When we fail to thank God for all he has done for us. When we fail to follow where God is leading us. Did you notice what Bartimaeus did once he was healed? Verse 43. 
He followed Jesus. If we follow Jesus, my friends, we will grow as listeners. And here's the beautiful thing. When we listen, when we, when we begin to operate like Jesus did, when we listen to others, when we move away from being me-focused and become others-focused, we get to know each other, and in so doing, what we communicate is love. And that's just what Jesus said are the most important commandments. Loving God and loving others. But there's a secret, of course, behind why Jesus was the world's best listener. And the secret is that Jesus understood the value and dignity and worth of each and every person that he encountered. This man, Bartimaeus, was seen as a total nuisance and worthless in the eyes of his culture and society. But Jesus knew different. Jesus knew that each and every person, the world over, has been created in the image of God. We need reminded of that, that we are image bearers of the almighty God. Now, the not so attractive truth is that uh, myself included in this, we we tend to make a judgment based on the way someone looks. And then that sort of determines whether or not we're going to stop and take the time to listen to them. That sort of determines whether or not we're actually going to get to know them or listen to them. So we have to understand that in their culture, to be blind or or to be lame or really have any other defect or deformity or affliction, it was thought that that was brought on by your own actions or or perhaps by someone in your family. Like, you must be guilty of some grotesque sin. Bartimaeus, what has he done to bring this on himself? To to be in that condition was, you are unclean, you are unwanted, you are unloved. You certainly have done wrong, and so you would have been ignored. But not by Jesus. (laughs) Because he sees the, the dignity and the value and the worth in each and every person. So this story is really amazing, not just because of the outrageous miracle of the fact that our Lord Jesus can give sight to the blind. That's amazing in and of itself. But I just cannot help but be struck by how much Jesus loves Bartimaeus. He loves him. It doesn't matter that he's got a a disability. It doesn't matter that he's outcast. It doesn't matter that his entire existence has been sitting by the roadside. Bartimaeus, what have you contributed to society? Bartimaeus, what value do you have to yourself or any others? That doesn't matter to Jesus. He sees someone created in the image of God and he loves them. And how does he show his love? By listening. He draws near. He he stops. When you read through this passage, that verse just jumps out that, that Jesus is making his way through Jericho and he hears Bartimaeus and he stops. Again, this is the kind of environment where the crowd could have just carried him, but he didn't allow that to happen. And he says, that guy that I hear, bring him to me. Because I love him. Because he is created in the image of the almighty God. And so Jesus then starts a conversation, right? He doesn't doesn't just go through and just sprinkle magic pixie dust. Here, anyone who's blind can see. No, it's a a face-to-face encounter. It's a conversation. He doesn't make assumptions about the man. He respects him. He listens to him. And then here here it is. Jesus declares for everyone there to hear. Here's what Jesus declares. That this man 
The one you all said was a degenerate? The one you all said must have surely committed some grotesque sin and, and that he is cursed by God? He is the one who has faith. He is the one who knows that I am the Messiah, the one who came into the world to save the world. He has placed his faith in the right person. Jesus declares that for the whole crowd to hear. And so will you declare today, just like Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. And you know what? Sometimes we feel like Bartimaeus. We, we feel marginalized. We feel unwanted, ignored, pushed out. We feel like we're a nuisance. We can feel hopeless. Other people mock us. We've been in that place where we're spiritually blind. And you know, sometimes we turn to the wrong places. In our pain and in our suffering, we don't cry out to Jesus. We don't turn to the Messiah. We look to friends who are not good for us. We look to substances that are not good for us. We go to food. We go to images. We go to relationships. We go to things that ensnare us. That trap us. That, that leave us stuck even further by the roadside alone and desperate. But here's the good news. Mercy awaits all who call on his name. Mercy came to Bartimaeus and he displayed great faith. Will we do the same thing and cry out to Jesus this morning? Have mercy. The mercy of God, my friends, means we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we do not get what we deserve. We who are sinners who've broken God's standards, we who deserve eternal separation from him, when we simply put our faith in Christ, we're forgiven. Because Jesus took our punishment. He did so on the cross. And because of that, we can be in right standing with God. If it had been any of the rest of us on that cross, we wouldn't be alive today. But it was Jesus. It was the only one who had never sinned. It was the blameless one, the perfect spotless lamb of God. What good news that when we cry out for God's mercy, he provides it. So friends, may we recognize our own blindness. May the Lord grow us to be better listeners. And may we call out for mercy from the only one who can provide it. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord for your mercy. Thank you for this amazing story of a blind man who was outcast and rejected by others, but Jesus, you took the time to listen that you've demonstrated that you love, that you love each and every one. And so Lord, forgive us for our own callousness, for the times we make judgments. Lord, we call out to you today. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Open our blind eyes that we would follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.